this weekend and to continue um, just what God's doing in our church and to be a part of that each uh, weekend is a blessing, a privilege so needed. I know this week just a longing just to get to a place where I was with God's people doing the things that we uh, love to do together and we're in the midst of this series um, now and I'm picking up kind of on week two and it's uh, stories you thought you knew. And um, one of the things, honestly, I'm going to uh, love a lot about this series is the opportunity to share uh, this series with other uh, uh, preachers in our church. Uh, last week, Chris kicked off the series. we also going to have um, Doug Bance, one of our elders, Colin, our student ministry director, Dylan, who oversees adult ministries, all in the pulpit at different times during this series. And uh, I want to thank you, uh, church, for embracing that. I know maybe some of you that have come to our church for longer over the past few years. Um, it really is a desire and an aim that there would be uh, more people communicating God's word more regularly, and that's only going to increase in the coming years. So thankful for that, thankful for the, uh, the men that God's led to our church, and believe that's only going to continue. Amen? Amen. So um, this morning, get your Bibles opened, um, not far, uh, Genesis chapter 4. Um, so uh, with, with the Bible open there, and uh, if you're looking at it, the beginning of that chapter, you see Cain and Abel. So you're like, oh man, there's going to be some drama this morning. Uh, there will be, and I hope we can learn and glean some things from it. Let's pray before we begin. <clears throat> God, I am reminded um, all the time, even in Simone, my own personal study that I've been doing, um, how many times there can be perspective um, on a passage or on an idea in scripture that uh, maybe we received uh, at a time when we uh, got it incompletely or in a, in a way that just has been confusing for us or maybe there's a point in scripture that we, um, we see and we didn't realize how influential it was. I pray this morning that we wouldn't just learn more about Cain and Abel but we would learn more about how to know your word, to study it, to interpret it, to apply it to our lives more deeply and broadly. So I pray that as the word comes this morning and some of the points is going to feel a bit like a review, I pray that we would reevaluate our hearts freshly to make sure that we're living under your favor and blessing. And so God, I just pray that you'd lead for your glory this morning in this message. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... Amen. Okay, so how many of you grew up um, with some pretty serious sibling rivalry? Just, just r raise your hand if you, if you had some sibling rivalry. Some of you are like, it still exists to today, and I'm going to a party in the next few days, and there's going to be like some competition going down, and I really just want to beat my sibling. Okay, so some of you have some of that. Uh, some of you have experienced some family drama because of that, maybe even some difficulty and trial because of that. And sometimes I think we can think in the body of Christ like, man, if, if I can just follow Jesus, I can avoid all the drama. Yeah. Well, if you thought that, um, it's pretty clear that it's difficult to match what is found in the first biblical family um, here in Genesis chapter 4. Check this out. Follow along with me as I read this passage. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. 
Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, but for Cain in his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, so at this point, what I want you to see is, is that um, God had regard for Abel in his offering. That means he had favor. That's the word. It's a, it's a positive regard towards Abel's offering. But for Cain in his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. That's some family drama. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Really doesn't know who he's talking to there. Verse 10, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Mm, A little too late. 14, behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But then God graciously protects him. The Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So, So here you have the very first family just out of the glory and the protection of paradise of the perfection in creation right after the fall and being exiled from the garden, this family begins to have a family and it starts off with a lot of drama. And so what, what happens when people come to this passage <clears throat> is they go, like, like, what are we supposed to learn from this passage? Like, and, and so, you know, I mean, there are some interpretive possibilities here. It could be that meat eaters are superior to vegetarians. That could be a conclusion you could make. Because we know that bacon is greater than carrots. Of course. It could be that, that Abel has been honored because he identified the lamb chop and he brought that to God as an offering uh, compared to the you know salad that Cain brought. Okay, more serious interpretations that people have uh, processed through when coming to this passage is that the offering of meat was a bigger sacrifice because you actually had to kill the animal. Some have said that the the meat offering was a sacrifice that required death, so that required the shedding of blood, so that, as you see in other places in Scripture, might have been the case. Some suggest that Cain withheld the best of the harvest. And then some people look at it and go, hmm, so, you know, that is, that is an option. What I want us to see as we look at this within the context of Scripture, not with it, just within the context of Genesis 4, which is going to be an important lesson for us, uh, all of us who want to be students of God's Word, it's not about the quality of the offering. That's, that's a mistake. 
The Bible doesn't say that at this point clearly at all. It would be making an argument from silence, which is in so many ways in and throughout the church, an argument from silence is made in dangerous ways. The the rest of the passage moves to document uh, Cain's response to God disregarding his offering. So there's a wrestling with the disregard of the lack of favor. And so the the, the burning question that that you have to ask as you walk through this passage is, how do you, how do we, before God, find ourselves in a place where God finds favor with our offering? How? I don't want to be like Cain, but I see a lot of people responding like that at times. I want to be like Abel, so I want to understand that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in front of you the big idea that I believe is clear from Cain and Abel, and then I'm going to defend that biblically. Here it is. Big idea. God's favor is found when your offering flows out of faith. And, and I'm going to defend this biblically and show you some connections that are important to make when you're studying the Old Testament, particularly this story. But, but what I want you to know is, is that what we're going to see is that this affirms and aligns with a theme that you see throughout Scripture, and God is establishing it right here in Genesis 4. I'm in good company. Martin Luther, commenting on Genesis 4, wrote, The faith of the individual was the weight which added value to Abel's offering. This, this, this message is so important, and, and Genesis 4 is an important beginning link in this reality. God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Right now, His presence through the work of God's Spirit in this room is moving, looking, desiring to connect with your heart, your heart. God sees past all the superficial. He looks right to the heart. His favor, his regard, his blessing, all of it is focused on your heart. You can bring the biggest and best and most sacrificial offering, but if your heart is not right, if you're not acting out of faith in God, God will not show favor. Offering is only acceptable if it comes from a heart led by faith in God. And so this is something that we need to process and then keep processing. God's favor is found when your offering flows out of faith. So two points of instruction I want to bring us uh, from this passage and from the context of the rest of Scripture. First is this. Start with your heart secured in faith. Start every engagement, every move towards God, every act of my will towards the things of God needs to flow out of and from a place of faith where my heart is secured there. And we've got to come back to this again and again and ask ourselves the question, is my heart really secured in faith? Now if you ask the question, how did I get this point from Genesis 4? I don't get this from Genesis 4. It's not clear from Genesis 4. That's what we just were talking about. That's why this passage sometimes gets misinterpreted because um, why God showed favor for Abel and not Cain is not necessarily clear. So, little Bible study lesson. When something is not clear in the context of the passage, 
what is your first move? That's the question. What do you, what do, you do? Well, what you have to do is you, you, you have to do the, the hard work at times of going, what does, what does the rest of Scripture teach about this subject? And, and some of you are old enough to remember that, that in this desire to let Scripture interpret Scripture, there used to be a day when this was a lot more labor-intensive. I mean, some of you remember that big, thick book that set on some people who were really committed to uh, studying God's Word. It was this thing called a concordance, and it normally, you know, um, it normally came in at about, you know, a thousand plus pages, and, and you could open and find different words in the Bible and then all of the biblical references for them. And you used to have to, to really study, and particularly when you were confused on a passage like Genesis 4, you'd have to open that thing up or you know, get the dust off of it and like you creak that thing open. You carry that into a Bible study, people are really impressed. You got like the study Bible and the concordance. You just bring in like a suitcase full of study tools. But now, in today's world, all you need is the Bible app. No more showing off with the big books anymore. All you got is a Bible app, and you can go to that app, and you can hit the little, the little um, uh, uh, magnifying glass button, and you can put in any word you want, and you can search all of the references for it in Scripture. So if you came to a passage like Genesis 4, and you go, man, how do I, how do I understand this? Well, you could look up Abel. You could look up Cain. You could look up Offering. And you could begin to read throughout the context of Scripture to understand it. Let's just consider Abel for the sake of this study. If you look up Abel in a search, you'll find four New Testament references. The second you see, like, there's a New Testament reference to Abel, like, you should go, um, now I know that I've got some things that are going to teach me about Genesis 4. Because the New Testament is intended to always interpret the Old Testament. And so if you survey those passages, you'll see verses about the righteousness of Abel, the significance of his death, and then this key verse from Hebrews 11:4 that directly addresses Genesis 4. Read it with me up on the screen. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. I mean, this just takes the story from Genesis 4, brings it right into our context in the New Testament church, which we're striving to be by God's grace, and it applies it now to our lives. Like, by faith, he offered a more acceptable sacrifice. Like, I want to offer a more acceptable sacrifice to God, so it's by faith through which he was commended as righteous. We know that righteousness comes by faith alone, by grace alone. God commending him, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And there's so much there. First, it's the beauty and the power of progressive revelation. It's significant that this is a New Testament reference. So let's just, let's just kind of see what we find when Scripture interprets Scripture. Hebrews 11.4 is teaching us that, and really the entire context of Hebrews 11, this uh, chapter about the importance and centrality of faith, 
that if we want to experience God's favor, blessing, and power, where do we start? We start by securing our hearts in faith. I mean, two verses later in Hebrews eleven six, it's made even more clear. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It just so, so if we want to find favor, if we want to be regarded by God, and all that flows from that, Hebrews gives us a very clear definition of what that means. Not only does it uh, bring it into the context of Abel and what he did with his offering, that it was from faith, it wasn't about the, the cut of meat that he offered. It wasn't about the meat versus vegetables. It was about the fact that it was from faith. And so for us, we can learn from Hebrews eleven six, and we can go, believe God exists. Is your offering out of a belief that God exists? Are you believing in your offering that God is ruling and reigning over this world? Are you believing that God is the highest, most powerful being in all the universe? Are you believing that God loves you? Are, are you acting out of, out of knowing who he is? Are you then regarding his truth with respect and reverence? We've got to live a life that believes that he exists. And, and if we live that life and then we believe that he rewards those who seek him, then there is going to be no area in our life where we don't pursue and desire the word and the wisdom of God. And, and if that's the case, then we should live with an abandonment to seek God above and before all others. And out of faith and secured in faith means that you're going to be oriented around God's presence, his word, his people, and his purposes. Start with your heart secured in faith. It's seen everywhere in scripture. It's no surprise that God's bringing us, starting us here in Genesis 4 with this message. 1 Samuel 16, 7, when God is choosing David to be king, it says the Lord looks on the heart. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. Proverbs 21, 2, the Lord weighs the heart. Do you see the focus that the Lord has on your heart? He looks on the heart, he searches the heart, he weighs the heart, he knows the heart, he tests the heart, and he wants all of your heart. All of your heart. If we want God's favor, start with your heart secured in faith. This week, um, Colin, our our, our student ministry director was, um, they've recently moved into a new home, and this week he showed me this picture of his mailbox. Kind of a, you know, a rough moment. Um, I guess they've made a lot of really good first impressions in the neighborhood because somebody ran their car into their mailbox accidentally. And um, I want you to notice how the top part is just, is just snapped off. But that bottom part, is secure. That part didn't move. The, 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 that, that piece of wood was secured down into concrete. And, and, and what was below the ground was unmoved, unharmed, and secure. It's secure because the mailbox was installed into a strong, secure foundation. 
It's a picture of what I see, not just in Cain and Abel, the difference there in Genesis 4, but a message that sort of resonates throughout the Word of God. What you see coming out of the ground is what you can see. I, I, I can see your actions. I can hear your words. I can see your body sitting in a, in a chair in this worship center. I can see your hands raised in worship. I can uh, see uh, you giving to the Lord. I can see your serving, your Bible being opened, a pen controlled by your hand taking notes. I can see all of that above the surface. But I cannot see your faith. I can see evidences of it, but I can't see it. Faith lies below the surface. But faith is what holds us secure, not just in the trials and things that might come, but even in the offerings that we give, the thing that's seen above the ground. But, but faith is critical because faith holds when things randomly back into you. Faith lies below the surface but is secured in Christ. The offering that I give, the offering that I'm giving right now in, in trying to use my gifts to minister to the church, the, the offering that you give in a variety of ways in your life, in your relationships, that offering can be attacked, it can be judged, it can also be faked, it can be nothing more than a superficial tradition. Others can be completely fooled by what's above the surface. But God knows your heart. And both the favor of God and the security that God wants to bring comes only when your heart is secured in faith. And he shows favor to the heart secured in faith because it is secured in the unchanging character of God. Start with your heart secured in faith. I mean, even, even Hebrews 11.4, it, it said at the end of that, of, that, of that verse, it said, through faith, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Like, do you get what, what, what Hebrews is doing here? Not just in this reference to Cain and Abel, but speaking to the church of Jesus Christ today is saying that there's so many realities of, your, of what you can offer, but there's nothing more important that you can offer than a heart that's secured in faith. And again and again, almost always, I see over time the evidence of that, of whether somebody's offering is secured in faith or, or, or they're just trying to offer what they think they should offer. When, when you die, all the earthly parts of your life die with you. But when faith is your legacy, it continues to speak. Because the, because the message is still applicable. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I tried to stifle that for the mic thing. That would Because the message of, of, of the gospel of my faith being secured is still applicable and Jesus is still at work. And so what we want to do when we think about Genesis 4 and we look about how it's picked up then in Hebrews 11, 
We want to make sure and evaluate, is your life living in the current of the legacy of faith? So the first question that I have to ask to be faithful to this passage into the whole of Scripture is to ask you, do you have an abiding faith in Christ that is ruling over your heart? Do you have an abiding faith in Christ that is ruling over your heart? You can begin to ask the questions like, why, why, why am I here? Why is my Bible open right now? Why am I here at this church? Why am I serving in the way I serve? Is it coming from a heart that is like, I believe that God is who he says he is? I've, 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 I've been yielded to Jesus. I, I believe that, that, that he is who he says he is, that the Bible, what the Bible testifies is true, and my life has been yielded to it. That's between you and God ultimately. That's only interaction relationally that's going to know with fullness whether your heart is secured in faith or not. If, if you're not sure, please come talk to one of our pastors and elders. Come talk to somebody who you know from the proclamation of their lips and from their life. You've seen a regular commitment to faith in Christ. Set up a time for us to talk if there's any way we can minister to and encourage you. If you're wrestling with the truth of it, if you're, if you're wrestling with the extent of it, like we'll walk alongside you. We lovingly want to get you and have you at a place where you are rejoicing in this, declaring this, living out of this in every aspect of your life. And after you make a decision for faith in Jesus Christ, what, what he calls you to, we see clearly in scripture, he calls you to proclaim that and one of the ways he calls you to proclaim that is in baptism. I'm excited by um, some of the work Pastor Jeremy's doing to, to help people connect and assimilate in our church. And um, next week, July 10th, during the 11 a.m. service, Jeremy's actually going to be launching what we're going to do more regularly in our church, which is a baptism class. Because we want to walk with you to make sure that there's an abiding faith in Christ that's ruling over your heart and then there's a public proclamation of that that Jesus calls you to. So there's Jeremy's email address if you want to reach out to him. If you want to join that class, it's um, just jeremy at mychristchurch.org. We, we want to walk alongside you. We want to teach you in these things and walk with you in more depth in that class. But most of all, we, we've got a process at this point when we're starting with our hearts secured in faith, we have to ask the question and evaluate our life. Like, are we just going through religious motions? Or, or is it a response to the person of God? His character, his goodness, his purposes, his people, his, all of it. What is it in your life? Because God's favor is found when your offering flows out of faith. So that's the first thing. Here's the second instruction. We have to offer right sacrifice in the right way. This is more than a one-time issue. This is more than a just when I come to Christ in the beginning. Let me assure you that anybody that's walked with Christ for long knows that you need to come back to the, the question of, am I bringing my offerings, am I making my sacrifice in the right way Am I offering the right sacrifice in the right way 
so that I can stay under God's favor and blessing. Notice the warning signs of a sacrifice offered in the wrong way, eyes back on Genesis 4. Here it says that God had no regard for Cain and his offering in verse 5. And you see that Cain, Cain's face, he was very angry and his face fell. So there was both anger and sadness, anger and sadness together. Now, now one of the things I, I want you to, to see here is God's response in verses 6 and 7. But, but, but first off, let, let's just ask the question, when, when God has no regard for Cain's offering, like, he could have, he could have humbled himself before God to learn, Right? He, he could have looked for counselors to, to help him understand so that he might gain wisdom into why his offering wasn't regarded. Like, but that's not what happens. Cain becomes angry. He responds in emotion. He feels a, a level of disappointment. His face falls. You can almost see it. Because Cain's only focused on the way he was rejected. He's, he's, he's just like, God rejected me. I, he doesn't even have, really have faith in God. He's not even, his, his offering didn't come out of faith. And so two warning signs that you're offering the, right, the wrong sacrifice in the right way or the right sacrifice in the wrong way is anger and sadness. Towards God, towards others, towards the church. I mean, look, look how God responds in verse 6. He says, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? He's like, help me understand. Because if, you know, if you knew my character, you'd know that I'm happy to teach you and lead you. And then in verse 7, he teaches him. He's like, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And then he warns him because he sees the condition of his heart. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. He's like, you're headed in a bad direction, Cain. Because your offering is, is, is disconnected from faith in me. And so, yeah, you gave a sacrifice, but it was given in the wrong way. And I love God's grace here. And even in the midst of his anger and his sadness, God speaks directly to him, challenges his thinking, gives him an option to turn and to come back, warns him. He's like, your, your fleshly feelings are going to lead in a dangerous direction if you don't turn. In faith, you can rule over the, de the desire that leads to sin. But it doesn't happen. It's a, it's a tragic reality of a heart moving independent of faith in God. He rejects God. He kills Abel. He even tries to act like nothing happened. He's confronted. When he's confronted by God, he doesn't respond. And then he's separated from other people. And the worst part we saw in verse 16, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Church, listen, I, I, don't, I don't want this for your life. I don't want this for my life. I, I don't want, 
us to stay in a cycle of anger and sadness. I don't want us to, to, to move and to a place where we start comparing our offerings and, 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 and end up in a place of jealousy and envy. I for sure don't want the murder part. And no one wants to, to face the consequences of being separated from God and his people in this life or the next. I want, I long for you and for me and for our church to walk completely in the favor and the blessing of God. We must learn from Cain. We must must learn from places like verse 7 where it says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? That's a rhetorical question from God. The question is obviously yes. Favor is still available for you and for me, if we learn to offer the right sacrifice in the right way. I, I, I wish this story was a story that, was, that had played out in the Old Testament in Genesis 4 and really wasn't applicable to today. But the reality that it's talked about in Hebrews uh, 11.4 and in other places suggests that it's not. It happens today as so many, particularly in a churched culture like the area in which we live, go through the religious motions while their heart, while their heart is far from faith. Feeling some sense of obligation or just routine, I don't know, but you know. Sometimes it, it happens when, when and, and you see this play out when, when people start to serve and give their offering of service outside of their spiritual giftedness. Outside of the offering of what God's given them. And then they don't find favor in that and they grow frustrated. I mean, I've heard testimonies of pastors enduring decades of trying to serve the church, but in a role that's outside of their giftedness and they grow angry and sad and it leads to dangerous consequences. I saw that when I was in seminary with guys that I was sitting next to in class. Sometimes what happens is a person attends church and they, they read their Bible and they give financially and they, then they go through a difficult trial or disappointment. And when their heart is not secured in faith, and, and, and their, but their heart is secured in the response to their actions, so, so now their favor is discerned by how people respond to their actions in the church. If it's not favor, then God is blamed, and you see anger, and their face falls. It can happen in so many different ways in the church. And instead of examining our heart rightly before God and His Word, people grow angry, and their face falls. And they turn against God. Sometimes you see it it starts to play out and they actually start to attack other people, blame other people. They start to hate their brother and sister, which by the way, in 1 John 3, um, the reality of Cain's murder is, 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 is uh, used as a point to say, hey, that's what hatred uh, looks like today. And um, so, so let me break this down. You get, to the, you get to this place when you offer the wrong sacrifice or offer the sacrifice in the wrong way. So let's start with right sacrifice. Right sacrifice comes 
when you rightly identify what you have been entrusted to offer and rightly content in what you have been entrusted to offer. Okay, if you, if you want to be right in line with God's word on a right sacrifice, first, rightly identify what you've been entrusted to offer and be rightly content in what you've been entrusted to offer. Okay, so what this means simply is this. Each person that has their faith secured in Christ, you've been given some things from God, a lot of things from God. At some level, you've been given just the gospel is enough to, to move with. But you've been given time in this world. You've been given relationships to steward. You've been given finances to steward. You've been given resources to steward. You've been given spiritual gifts to steward. And church, just please hear from me. We, as the leaders and our responsibility to steward the leadership of the church, here's what we want. We just want you to rightly identify what you've been entrusted to offer and be content in what you've been entrusted to offer. This is between you and God. Don't look to the left or to the right, forward or back, to any other person, any other offering, not to the degree, the length, the amount of time, any of that. You are responsible simply to sacrifice what God has given you to sacrifice. That is it. And man, that gets messed up in the church so much. To the detriment of people and then they become angry and their face falls. And we're going to refuse at every point to set up an idea about serving or giving or any of that that would cause anything more or call people to anything um, more than just what you've been entrusted to offer. Then, in addition to right sacrifice, it needs to be done in the right way. And to this, I would simply say this. Offer the sacrifice as an act of worship. Offer it as an act of worship. If, if, your, faith is, if your heart is secured in faith, you, you know because of the glory and the goodness of what Jesus Christ has offered you, you already have everything. So, so your offering is reflective of the, your knowledge that you have everything from Jesus that you need. And whatever blessing that you can give is, 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 in a, is just an overflow of that worship. So what I want you to do is I want you to examine your motives all the time. Learn to examine your heart on this. I, I, I can't tell you the last time there hasn't been a morning before I step up into whatever opportunity and time that God has given me to preach and, and just go, God, I'm offering this to you. I love you. I love you. I'm not going to discern it the value of it based on anyone's response. I'm just going to try to be faithful to you. That's it. It's an audience of one. It's an evaluation of motives. Evaluate your heart in the offering. And when there's fruit from the offering, evaluate your heart. Right sacrifice in the right way. This is why Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 9, he says to give your offering, he's talking about financial offering here, he says, as you have decided in your heart, 
for God loves a cheerful giver. He's like, it's supposed to be in abundance. It's supposed to be as, as a response in worship. Let your sacrificial offering be marked by an overtone of worship and praise. There's huge implications here for, for relationships and service in the kingdom of God. And, and I love sometimes in the midst of the summer, it's just a good time to pause and just evaluate. And with the weight of this message, I want you to do that. Here's some keys that I wrote down to walking in God's favor that we need to consider. Some implications. First, serve in the church has a response to what Christ has done, not as an obligation. Evaluate that, friends. And let me just tell you, I see a sweetness of this permeating so many layers of our church. But I want you to hear from me that I want it to be a response to what Christ has done, not as an obligation. Second, serve as an affirmation of God's grace in giving you a gift. We should be looking and searching for the gift, discovering it, identifying it, testing it, uh, asking for some wisdom and affirmation, growing that gift so that we can offer it more beautifully out of faith to God and to his church. Thirdly, seek an increasing awareness of what you are graciously called to steward. Evaluate what you have time and relationships and resources and just ask the question, God, I want to be faithful. Help me be faithful. Persevere in the sacrifice, which is, is a sacrifice, out of respect for Christ's sacrifice, not to please man or satisfy someone's expectations. Again, feel and consider Christ's sacrifice. Then, last, never demand honor or respect for your service. If it comes, though, respond in thankfulness to God and to man. Someone thanks you for the offering, you're just like, I, I, in, my, in my mind, I always go, thank you, Jesus. And then to them, I go, thank you. That's very encouraging. Like, like we just, we, but, but, we, but we, don't, we don't operate out of that. And if we're demanding that, it will lead to anger or sadness. Repent of wrong motives. I know I've had to. Because the truth from Genesis 4 continues to speak that sin is crouching at the door. In the context of the giving of our offerings. So we want to refresh our minds again and again in the goodness of the gospel. We want to refresh our minds again and again coming back to the origin and the reality of our heart being secured in faith. Because here's the key. You're not giving your offering to gain approval from God or man because you know with certainty that you are already approved by God in Christ. That, that is a message from Genesis 4 that speaks throughout Scripture. And when we rightly bring Scripture to interpret Scripture, something that may seem confusing, like Genesis 4, can become more clear. And we can discover from that passage that leads into so much of what God speaks throughout His Word. God's favor is found when your offering flows out of faith. Let's pray together.
God, I ask this morning that you would simply move through the power of your Spirit for some God to convict, to ask the hard question, like, God, reveal my heart to me. I I pray, God, that we would be asking for you to teach us and lead us in the way that we're living. I, I, I pray, God, that in the things that we do within the body of Christ, within the kingdom of God, within all of our lives, that it would start with a heart that's secured in faith. I pray that as we walk, as we give, as we strive to be faithful to what you've called us to, that it would be the right sacrifice offered in the right way. I'm asking Jesus that, that, that we would make the move that we need to do, that we'd have the conversation that we need to have, that we would be honest and authentic in places, God, where our heart needs to be transformed by your grace through the power of your spirit. I pray for some that they might come out from underneath the obligation that they've felt that they've lived under, the pressure and the weight of that that you want them, that you long for them to be free from as opposed to feeling the weight and the the slavery of that, that we would be freed to to run in the giftedness that you've given us, to run in the sacrifice that you've both shown us through your your, your life and your death and, and that we would walk and run in the freedom and the glory and the goodness of the kingdom of God. Stirred up by one another's pure offering, offered as a as a reflection of our worship and our, the value that you have in our lives. God, thank you for giving us this testimony to teach us and to lead us. Would you continue to convict us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.